one thing in COVID I realized was that people really don't quite know where their finances are. I really like being a nerd and like looking at numbers, but I also like helping people. And uh, in my family realized they didn't have a sound estate plan. And it was just all of the connections of that time period where I was like, instead of taking a year off to find myself or go into a pathway that like makes the most sense for COVID is why don't utilize this time to get ahead. And so with one more year of eligibility to be on the dance team had took the chance and kind of jumped into that ambiguity area where I was talking about, you got to be courageous enough to do that is I just said, all right, I'm going to go get my master's in financial planning. I have no idea about any type of the technical side, have no idea this is a career that I want to get into, uh, but let's go for it. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the show and feel free to share this episode with your friends. Today, we've got Allie Becker on the show. Allie received a BA in three years from Iowa State University, then a master's in one year. She got a perfect score in the dance competition, Illinois State Dance Competition. She was nearly part of the national champion team from Iowa State in that dance competition, and is currently entertaining numerous job offers that are really awesome. She's going to talk about pushing yourself harder because no one else will, and Allie knows how to push herself. She's going to talk about being present even when you're busy, and she's going to talk about having the courage to accept ambiguity in the outcome. Really excited to have Allie here. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Allie Becker, it has been a long time since I've seen you, but not a long time since I've talked to you. I talked to you this morning. Really appreciate you reaching out. Really appreciate you agreeing to be on the podcast. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you. Really excited to uh, be here today, for sure. Well, thank you for making the time. And I'm going to start off the way I always start off. What is your definition of excellence? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin to the definition of excellence that has previously been talked about on the podcast before. But what I would say is my definition of excellence is to be 100% of the time being completely present in what you're doing. And while you're doing that, being goal-focused and goal-oriented. I wouldn't say that it necessarily means that you have to be the best person in that role but you are putting in all the effort to be your best self in that role. And along with that is to understand what your values are and what you're trying to accomplish and making those align, being completely present in that situation. And that's what I would say the definition of excellence is with all of those components put together. 
Well, that explains a lot, I must say, because I've known you for a long time, and uh, you and I have stayed in contact uh, for quite a few years since you worked with me at our College Works business. And I would say, and I was talking to my wife, Jill, about you today, you pretty much show up as anyone's best self. Anytime I interact with you, it's always like the best, best self I've ever seen. So you can come in and you don't have to be the best, best self. You're saying you don't have to be the Ali Becker of the world, but you have to be the best self that you can be completely present and goal focused. And I want to talk about completely present because I think I've witnessed your completely presence. What does that mean to you to be completely present? And how are you completely present when you're fighting for the national championship for your school and dance, when you're working a super tough job and you're getting a degree in three years, how are you completely present when you're doing three things at once? Yeah, absolutely. So when I grew up, my mom had always told me the phrase because she was really good at a lot of things, but like not amazing at one thing. And she would always mention to me like that she was the jack of all trades and she was the master of none. And I really kind of hated that statement because I was like, why wouldn't you want to be the master of one thing? But being of my mom's genetics, I realized really quickly going into college that I really like to do a lot of things and I can't really say no to things because it sparks my interest in different ways. And I've been completely passionate about dance since the age of three and it was really important for me to dance at a division one school but I didn't want to just go to a school where we compete. I wanted to nationally compete on a level that was national title oriented. And on top of that, I knew after going to college, I was going to have to get a job at some point. So I wanted to make sure I was getting experience while I was doing that. And then on top of that, have always excelled at school. And I didn't want to ever have my grades dip for the other extracurricular activities that I was doing. So while I was going through all of those different things, I just had to remember to show up to school and put my phone away and be completely present in class. When I went to practice, I would have to put my phone away, be locked into what we're doing and making sure that I knew what I wanted to accomplish for that practice, whether it be building other people up, whether it be giving corrections, whether it be like running the routine a ton of times to be able to build up stamina. But then also there's that component of school's expensive. I need to have a job. I want to have the awesome experience going into what's going to happen after school that I had to be completely present and be successful and work hard towards that as well to inline all of those things. I could become successful at them because I showed up was completely present, focused on that, and then moved to a different avenue or a different uh, area of what I was doing during the day each time. So you kind of silify, put into a silo, each of your focuses. So you were three-time state champion in Illinois and dance. You were given the first perfect score in the history of Illinois in, in that dance competition. At the same time, you're getting great grades in school. So when you're on the on the dance floor, you put your phone away, 
literally, but figuratively, you put your phone away. There's no outside thoughts. There's no outside distraction. You get to what you're doing and you focus for three or four hours. And then you go to school and you do school and focus for three or four hours. And then you need to make money. So you come and make uh, work at your job. And you're not thinking about dance while you're at your job. You're not taking calls from the other people on your dance team. You're not worried about your tests. You're doing your job. So is that right? You kind of silatize, silify. I don't know if there's a word for it, but we'll make one up. Each of those categories and stay completely present and completely focused while you're doing what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. It's difficult. And there definitely is times where they run together, but focusing on staying present has definitely made all of those opportunities successful. So I, I deal with uh, the distraction of Instagram and the distraction of all sorts of social media. I have a friend who I, I got sick of uh, hearing about how he didn't answer his phone. So I went and hired somebody for him and I hired the perfect person and I trained that perfect person. And I called him up and I said, hey, good friend. I've hired somebody for you. I'm going to take you to lunch. We're going to introduce you. I'm going to save your life. And he was so excited. Then he called me a week later and said he had to fire the guy. And he said, I don't hold it against you. I said, hold it against me. I'm like the greatest guy ever. Has anybody ever hired somebody for you, trained him and put him in your business? You don't get to hold anything against me, but why'd you fire him? And he fired him because he's on the phone and he was watching TikTok videos all the time. And he kept saying, don't watch TikTok videos. You need to... Uh, focus on your job. So how do you, and, and, and you're in your 20s, people listening right now, they want to be Ali Becker. They may not get a, a national championship. They may not get a perfect score, but they want to get those really good grades. They want to get that killer job out of school and we'll get into your job offers. They want to do really well in school. How do you turn off social media and how did you have a social life and a friendship circle and suck all the life out of college while you were there, but still have a job and still have a sport and still get good grades? That's a really interesting question that you ask. Uh, Cause I think a lot of people my age, especially my friends fall to how much they're spending on social media. And I actually made it a point at the start of the year. I kind of wanted to go not completely rogue from social media, but I wanted to take some time off of it. So instead of focusing on, oh, I need to take photos to post on Instagram, or I need to see what people are up to. I wanted to take the remaining time I had left of school, which was from January till July 31st, and completely focus on what am I doing with myself? And how can I utilize that time to be with others? And so coming like starting in February, I was working eight hours a day, would come home, go straight to practice for three hours, would come home straight from that, uh, do homework for like two to three hours. It'd be like 11 PM by then, but I still wanted to go and hang out with friends or I, I wanted to have that social experience. So I would for like two hours go and be with friends rather than being on my phone at that time at 11 PM and watching TikToks. I would rather try to be with people. And so I focused and allocated my time to doing the roles that I had to do to be my best self, but then also don't mess around and get my stuff done so that then all of the extra time that I had go and just have conversations with people and go meet new people. And I was, obviously at the end of my college career where everyone's about to move to different places. So I really focused on trying to stay off of my phone and being with people. 
And I have realized in the last six months since I started that in February is like, I don't have any motivation to go on TikTok um, unless I'm looking at like a food recipe or someone shows me something. I don't scroll through Instagram anymore. Like I only really take photos that I'm really excited about rather than being like, oh, I'm going to post this on social media. So really, if you just train yourself to take a step back and then from there, you're going to realize like social media really isn't that big of a deal if you kind of just take yourself away from it and focus on yourself. Well, and maybe it's not as big of a deal as fighting for a national championship and being the captain of the team two different times. Maybe that's more important than watching TikTok or someone's Instagram of them fishing in some river somewhere. Maybe Instagram and social media is not as important as getting focused and studying. And so many people, they, they can't put their phone away. It vibrates and they stop studying and they're distracting themselves from their focus and their grades are going down. Maybe it's not as important as producing $90,000 your first time in business and getting promoted and running a whole state by yourself for a company that you just started working there. And maybe you don't get to have those experiences that lead you to this horrible position you're in today of having to decide which awesome company to to work for. Maybe social media kind of leads you away from that instead of to that. So you can compartmentalize and have a silo for each of your aspects of life. You can have a silo for your friends. You could even have a silo for wasting time. And I think social media is a waste of time, but I watch an hour of TV every night. I love alone. I learned so much about what would ever happen if I was dropped in the Arctic by myself and how I would survive. I mean, that's something I need, but I save an hour for it every night as opposed to scatter it throughout the entire day like most people do with their social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's get into uh, just kind of how you were and how you are. And um, a lot of times we talk to people about what they're doing in their profession. And a lot of people on the call have been in profession or on the podcast have been in the profession for a long time. You're just starting out and you went to college and somehow in three years, you managed to do a sport and do a pretty difficult internship and get promoted at the internship and then graduate from college. Then you stayed an extra year and somehow you got a master's in one year while you're still in that sport and still at a job. So you're a super busy person. What was your life like in high school? What were you like? How did you see yourself? Yeah, great question. So in high school, I developed that I was a very competitive person and I took that through being uh, with dance or in dance. And so from I believe like right at the start of high school is I was in the Southern part of the state of Illinois. It's quite rural. And I was seeing all of these awesome routines from uh, division one schools. And I was like, wow, I want to go and be on that team. And so I was like, all right, I got to train more. I got to spend more hours dancing. I got to keep my grades up to get into some of these schools. And that was my main focus. So for five years, I put my head down and just wanted to try to be as good as I could by the time it came to that tryout. And as well, connection building, I wanted to be, I wanted to know the coaches and kind of have them feel comfortable with me joining the team. So then, and a very important note, since the age of three, had zero injuries and never even thought an injury could could occur. Then a month before the tryout, I was recording a video for someone to take my place because I was not going to be able to go to a competition while I was going to the tryout. So literally my injury is caught on camera and break my ankle. 
And then also a week after I break my ankle, I learned that the coaches are changing. So everything that I had built up in the last four years came crumbling. And I remember going to physical therapy every day. I didn't want my dream to end. And so by the time it came to the tryout, I go up to the University of Minnesota, go through three days long of a tryout. I remember sitting in ice baths every night because my body was so miserable and ended up not making the final team and having a straight out, straight 12 hour drive home. And I'll never forget how many, like just how much I spent on looking at different schools, reaching out to different coaches and just seeing my opportunities because I was determined being from a small town in Illinois, most people don't get to go to a division one dance team. And I wanted to be one of the first, um, or one of the few. So I got the opportunity to video tryout with Iowa state and in a week time span applied there, took a tour, visited, accepted being in the business program and accepted being on the team. And really then the rest was history from there. But I realized that everything that I was doing in, in high school was just on a small scale of one aspect to then leading me into really understanding if you set your mind to something, anything can be accomplishable. You just have to make sure that you're willing to work hard. And if some problem comes up in the way, how are you going to problem solve or maneuver, maneuver yourself um, to keep going towards a goal, but maybe just a, a different direction? So they're very similar to me and not similar to everybody I've talked to. Uh, some people don't have that focus, that path, that plan, that effort when they're in high school. Some people figure it out later. Um, I had it in high school. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, exactly where I wanted to be, similar to, similar to your story. And then you throw in there the never give up. Everybody gets slammed with something. You know, if they don't have a plan, okay, they get slammed. They don't have a plan anyway. But if you do, you've got exactly what you want to do laid out. And then you just get slammed upside the head and, you know, you break your leg and you can't do what you're doing or the coaches quit or, or you lose all your money and you can't afford it or whatever it is. Um, so you had this in high school. You knew about the focus. You knew about the effort. You knew about the never give up. And then it just never stopped, I guess, right? I would say so, yeah. Uh, I did feel when I came to college that high school was completely focused on dancing. Uh, that was, and still is, like a very big passion of mine. That when I came to college, I really had no idea what even degree I should get in or what path that I wanted to go down. The only thing I knew was like, I can't handle when someone like is bleeding or hurt. So I just stayed away from the medical field. Um, but other than that, I was a bit of a loss to what really was going to be what comes after college, what comes after dancing. And there's so many people that are in that boat. I call it the pre-life crisis. Everybody says, you better find your career. You better figure it out. You showed up to college. You didn't know what the hell was going on. And four years later, you're supposed to figure out your entire life forever. And I remember having nightmares. Like literally I'd wake up in the middle of the night worried about it. Um, and I still don't believe you have to figure out uh, what you do forever. And Allie and I were on the phone early today talking about careers, but I don't think it's forever. We're I think of it in one year at a time. So you get your career, you don't like it, go find another career. 
I just think you should be moving onward and upward and you can laterally move. Allie called it the lattice move. I've never heard that before. Laterally move over to the side. If you're climbing up, just get on a path while you're in school. Allie, you were on your path ahead of time. Um, how did you figure out, you're on the path to greatness, but how did you figure out where to focus it? How did you come up with your career? And I know you have a master's degree in financial planning. How'd you figure that out? Absolutely. I'm going to go back to even when I was a freshman in college and I was sitting in a psychology room and in this big lecture hall and someone comes in and is presenting the opportunity to do college works painting as the internship. And I remember sitting next to a bunch of my friends on the team. They crumple up the paper, throw it under their desk. And I literally was shocked. I was like, you guys don't even know what this opportunity is. Like, why don't you write it down? Or like, why don't you write your name down? There's, there's nothing that could be worse besides getting a phone call. Uh, but that single phone call led to really the whole self-development of myself and understanding that there's so much more to me than just my motivations for dancing. And that's essentially kind of where I came from with the mantra of like, you have to be courageous enough to accept ambiguity. And when I went through this process and got hired with College Works Painting, I was sitting the first weekend of training and I learned that an exterior part of a home was that could get painted. I literally thought we were only doing inside stuff. And I was so confused that the exterior could. So I was way in over my head at the technical part of this job, but realized so many things about myself. And that being is like, I really like helping people and I understand that you are going to be the person. You're the only person to push yourself because no one else is going to do that for you. Uh, when my business was uh, struggling in the spring, there was nothing that my DM couldn't do without me pushing myself to be better. And me learning those two key things about myself then led me on to wanting to be uh, and having the opportunity to be the captain of the dance team and helping others, changing the atmosphere at practice where everybody's inclusive, where everybody wants to be there and work towards one common goal and make everybody else better. That's how we became a team going through. And I got that experience from uh, working with College Works and learning about myself and learning that you have to help others, but you also have to be your own motivator. And once I realized that through my undergrad, I graduated right at COVID and I wasn't quite sure where the next path was. And one thing in COVID I realized was that people really don't quite know where their finances are. I really like being a nerd and like looking at numbers, but I also like helping people. And, uh, in my family realized they didn't have a sound estate plan. And it was just all of the connections of that time period where I was like, instead of taking a year off to find myself or go into a pathway that like makes the most sense for COVID is why don't utilize this time to get ahead. And so with one more year of eligibility to be on the dance team had took the chance and kind of jumped into that ambiguity area where I was talking about, you got to be courageous enough to do that is I just said, all right, I'm going to go get my master's in financial planning. I have no idea about any type of the technical side, 
have no idea if this is a career that I want to get into, uh, but let's go for it. And sitting here a year later, I incredibly fortunate that I just took that jump um, because it was the highest we've ever placed. We were 0.7 away from being a national champion. I was able to have one more year and finish out that college feel, uh, being with all of the people I started at Iowa State with, and as well got to work at the place that I am at now, get to close out uh, my degree and say that I have a master's. And finally, I'm having these job opportunities that I honestly would have had never presented to me unless uh, I would have put myself in the position that I have today. So, Wow. So courageous enough to accept ambiguity. So the ambiguity of another year of school, the ambiguity, what do you mean by that? The ambiguity of um, getting a different degree. What was the ambiguity? Yeah, I, I think even speaking back from the uh, ambiguity from even college works is like, I had no idea if it was going to be successful. I didn't know if I was going to fail. Everyone kind of said that this isn't really the path you should go. It's very uncertain, but I was determined that I think that it's going to be a great thing for me if I work hard. Then with graduating in a COVID time and having to hopefully see the payout of going back to school for another year and a half and instead of making money in a different career is I had to kind of be courageous to hope that this is going to be the best option. And it in return did turn out very positively and couldn't imagine not be sitting where I am today. So it's the ambiguity of the unknown. It's an ambiguous end. And it's coming from a person that has a plan, that has a path, that has a focus, that has years of effort, but knowing that you've done everything you could to get to where you are, just kind of jumping off a ledge into the abyss to seeing if your preparation was enough to help you land successfully in whatever you're doing. Yes, absolutely. So I think a lot of people really don't want ambiguous outcomes. They want certain outcomes. And I don't know that there is a certain outcome. If you're teetering on the edge of excellence, trying to hit home runs all the time, there's probably not a certain outcome. If you don't, if you don't, try hard and allow yourself to fail. If you're so afraid of failure, you're not going to hit a home run. You're going to hit a bunch of bunts and a bunch of singles. Um, so you, you don't care, uh, if you know exactly what's going to happen because you know, you've done everything you can to make sure it happens right. And you're going to take a chance. Yes, absolutely. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. 
To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. Well, I want to get back to your definition of excellence because you mentioned values. And the reason why you and I are so close is because of your values. And be sure to tell your mother I said hi. You're one of the few people that worked at CollegeWorks who I've talked to their mother before. You and I are close because there was an occurrence that happened at CollegeWorks and you went well above and beyond. And I sat there for three separate days talking to you on the phone or four days every single day. And then I'd come home and say, oh my God, this Allie Becker, this is an amazing person. But it really was that, exactly that. This is an amazing person because of not just the work ethic, not just the communication skills, not just the passion, not just the kindness and friendliness, but really deep down inside your core values. So you mentioned in your uh, definition of excellence that you have to be present and, and while you're goal focused. You don't have to be the best, but you have to put in all the effort. And then you said you need to understand what your values are and make sure what you're trying to accomplish aligns with your values. So I've seen your values rise up, you know, to very obvious. How did you figure out what your values were at such a young age? And why is it so important for you that you tie your path to your values? Absolutely. I'm going to keep this as simple as possible to like, even back when I was an intern at college works. And I remember there was a time or an instance where I was off of the um, project. My painters were doing it and I had come up and I was expecting like a really great paint job and we could close out the client, grab the check and it'd be perfect. And I show up and there was paint spilled everywhere. Some plants were stepped on. Like it wasn't completely the way I expected it or to the standard that I would hold my painters. And I genuinely felt so bad that I didn't even want to walk the client around the home. I said, Hey, actually they ended up taking the day off. Um, that something came up. We're going to have your house for one more day. And it was from there that I realized that like, I don't ever want to give something to someone else and expect them to have this great paint job. And I give them this average to below average job. And so from a very straightforward point is that I just want to make sure that people are getting what they are expecting. Um, but then also is that every situation that anyone's in is like, you don't know what's going on behind a closed door or you don't know what's going on in the second part of their life that you have to just be, I don't, the best self that you can be to somebody else and just continue to just try to be present within that. And, and that's just a value that I like is that I really want to make sure that I'm putting the, my best step forward for someone else so that they can feel good about what they're doing or what they're going through. And that's just a value that I hold true. And that gets me so much more excited going into a financial advising or a financial planning role is because they're not, they're in a state of financial panic in a way. That's why uh, they're coming to an advisor is because they can't make financially sound decisions because they are in such panic. 
And that's why financial advising is also going so much more focused into the psychology behind people that it, it isn't just investment returns. It's about these people are having a tough time and are in a financial situation that they need help with, that that's why your advice is so valuable to them because you have a clear head. You're looking at their perspective, understanding how they feel and you're providing recommendations to them. And so taking that value that I understand that I really want to just help people and make them be their best selves, make them feel good and taking a role and, and pushing and shoving those two together are what makes me excited going forward rather than just being like, oh, okay, well, I'm so glad I got your money. Hopefully you like what you're doing or what you got. And I think it's really important. I just think it's going to make you be able to wake up every day and get excited for what you're about to do rather than knowing you're really not adding value to others or adding value to yourself. So deep down inside, you've got this value of contribution that's been there for a long time. You've got this value of integrity, true to yourself and true to others, true to your word. You've got this value of working hard and, and the importance of it. You've got this value of being present and in the moment, smelling the roses. How did you figure out those were your values? I think that it all stems back to what like a childhood passion was, is that when I was dancing, it was awesome to be a part of like a solo and win. But then you, in a way, sometimes feel bad because you placed higher than someone else and you can't all celebrate. So then when I got onto dance team is everyone showed up and everyone was motivated. And when you got to that award ceremony, everybody won. And I think that's what the really cool part is and where I've really learned that I like, I like seeing other people's eyes light up and being excited and being able to, when you're out on a floor, on a dance floor, every single individual is being looked at and judged is that you can't have the front row being the best people and your back people being terrible, or you're never going to win. The front row has to then build up the second row. The second row has to build up the front row and, and vice versa. And everybody has to work together. And I think it's been just the long years of teamwork and motivating others and coming to that common goal and seeing everyone as a whole light up getting a state championship or a national championship rather than just being that one person on the podium and taking what I'm so passionate for in dance and transferring that into a workplace environment is really how I found the value of what I'm passionate for. So um, do you think about it? Like, I don't think people like, like I have my values written straight across the room, on my bar, family, vision, mission, values. Nobody in the family cares. Um, I did it with my wife. She says I did it by myself and she sat there. Um, I thought there were family values, but the kids think that they're my values. But I think about it all the time because someone sat me down and said, go think about it, figure out what your values are. And Jill and I sat down and did it together. Did you think about it or did it just happen and you went, oh, this is what I stand for. This is who I am. How did it come about? Well, I definitely think it's a mixture of two. One, I definitely think it all kind of evolved with 
in the way that I chose decisions and, and took pathways. But others is I just, I have a fascination for picking people's brains and for people to pick my brain and just trying to understand different people and having them understand me. And honestly, it's just even like you had mentioned we had a call earlier at 8 a.m. And you picked my brain on a pros and cons of what I'm trying to decide. And through that conversation, things that kept being repeated, I kept realizing in my head, oh, okay, actually, maybe that is something that I'm really interested in. Or, oh, that makes sense. Like, yes, I, I am excited about that. And so just taking all of those having conversations with other people, trying to have them understand me and me understanding them through speaking about me has been an opportunity for me to realize what makes me tick. And so that's been the best part of my summer, honestly, is I have went and so many people are like, are you finally going to make a decision yet? Are you finally going to make a decision yet? And I kept holding off because I feel like I'm just on the verge of that that perfect opportunity, what I want to dive into. And it's because I keep having conversations with different people with different insights and them talking about me, me talking about them, and just really having a conversation to exploit what's going on in my head and the values that's coming out of me. I just can't realize myself. And I'm starting to realize them through having conversations with others. So you face this ambiguity that you talk about. You're courageously facing the ambiguity. You got two completely different job paths laid out in front of you. And you've got this openness to clarify. You're seeking and learning and seeking and learning and asking questions and digging in. My friend, Nicole McMacken, who is on the podcast, says you your net worth is your network. And I keep thinking about that. What does that mean? Well, it means nothing if you don't do anything with it. People used to say to me, Stewie, why are you working so hard? It doesn't matter who you know, it matters. doesn't matter what you know, it matters who you know. And I always tell them, no, it matters. Doesn't matter who you know or what you know. It matters what you do with who you know and what you know. So you've got this ambiguous future, ambiguous career, ambiguous outcome. You're facing the abyss. You're jumping in without knowing what's going on but you're not doing it blindly. You're calling people up. You're asking questions. You're open to clarification. You're seeking and learning. So that ambiguous endpoint is actually becoming a little bit clearer and a little bit clearer. And probably your confidence is growing. So it doesn't matter what it is because you know you can leapfrog to whatever end result that you really want to get to, right? Absolutely. You brought up such a great point because they're in the last, since, since January, I had three offers and I wasn't super excited about any of them, but I was like, and, but I was also just waiting for opportunities to come to me. I was so busy focused on school and dance and spending the last semester with my friends that I was like, a job will come. Like I've done enough. I expected a job to come, but I wasn't super excited about any of them. And then it wasn't until June, probably, that I was like, wow, I'm about to finish school. I'm not in love with any of these offers. I know and have met so many awesome people. Like, why don't I just start having initial conversations? Ask them what they're doing. What do they think I should go into? What's the market good for? And in the last month to two months, I have been 
so much more excited to get on phone calls or wake up at 8 a.m. in the morning to have a phone call about something because I'm so much more excited about my future because I'm utilizing exactly what you just said of it is about what you do with the people that you know. And I could not be in the situation I'm in right now, choosing between great offers without utilizing that network that I have in the last two months. Yeah. And it's been great for those people that you've been calling to get to know you again, have conversations again, brush up on where you're at. So they're even more impressed again. So they're still part of your network and still wanting to hear what's going on. And it takes effort, right? You, you come back to your definition of excellence. You need to be a hundred percent present. You need to push yourself harder because nobody else will do that for you. So you're present in the moment of talking to me, present in the moment, talking to whoever you're talking to. We're learning about you. We're learning about life in general. And then you're learning about the work environment. And it's kind of a a win-win situation, a symbiotic uh, relationship because you put the effort in, because you're completely present. And I'm really really excited for you. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, for the end result you're creating. You know, I know what your values are. I mean, I watched you save someone's life. I mean, I watched you do that. And it was so amazing for me to be, you know, a few states away watching the impact that you have. And, you know, I just could see it right there. And I went, well, this is the one. I told Jill, I said, this is the one. And we tell everybody at CollegeWorks, once you're done with CollegeWorks, call me up anytime. Once you're looking for a job 10 years from now, call me up anytime. And I get calls, but I don't get as many as I should. You'd think I'd get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, but I don't. I get a few people once in a while that are going to call me up and pick my brain. But I'm so glad that you did. And, you know, we were talking about one of your career choices. I said, well, if you want to go do that, why not go work for this company, the best in the industry, the most famous, the blue chip. And now you're going to get an offer from them too. Thank goodness that you called. And then I could use my network, the CEO of that company, and call them. And it would have never happened had you not been present at the time we worked together, been uh, utilizing your network since we worked together, and been defining your values over time so you knew what you stood for, you knew what you were looking for. I do have to ask you one more question before we cut it off, and I can't wait to hear the answer. And I ask it of everybody. It's my favorite question. If you look back in life and you think about some of the sacrifices you've made, and you've made quite a few of them, what is the big sacrifice you've made that you'll never regret and you would go back in time and tell your younger self to take that sacrifice again? Definitely the sacrifice that I made, honestly, in the last eight years, even from all of high school, all of college, is the typical route is you, these are going to be your leisure years. Like you're going to college, you should have fun, you should build connections and enjoy it. And I didn't take that approach directly. I did take it indirectly though. And I said, okay, I am going to still have fun, but I have to make the most of it the way that I could. And the easiest way to explain that was I worked a lot spring semester of freshman year going through the internship. And I missed out on a lot of fun things that happen your freshman year of college. But then in a year's time, 
I ended up going to Canada. I ended up going to Mexico. I ended up meeting someone in Mexico that was my roommate that I took a trip to New York for New Year's. And then I got to fly to California for training. And then I got to come back and I got to do all of these really cool things because I really delayed the gratification of having fun and worked hard in the time frame that I needed to so that then all of those good things could come. And even thinking back to this past semester of in the spring, it was everyone's senior year. Everyone wanted to have a ball of the time and have darties and enjoy themselves and have a credit load of five credits or whatever. And I was working full time, being a grad student, about to go to nationals and was trying to also have all of those fun things with them too. But I realized that I had way more money in the bank account than everyone else spending their money on alcohol. I was getting myself a degree and making the most of the dollars I was spending at school rather than just having a couple credits. And in turn, I prioritized my time so well that I still got to go and do all of the fun things that they did. I just maybe didn't get as much sleep or I didn't get to have as much like leisure and chill time. So it really is a sacrifice of time and maybe you're doing too much, but all of those things made me who I am now and made me really good at time management, by the way. But I I couldn't imagine not doing that sacrifice at 18 when I started with College Works. Yeah. If high school and college are your leisure years, you're going to have a lot of leisure years like the rest of your life. Or you're going to be busting your butt for the rest of your life and wishing you didn't think of college as leisure years because that's not what it is. It's impact years. It's learn balance years. It's learn to prioritize. So you probably, and I, and I love that you went through all the trips you went on, but day in, day out, when you weren't on a trip, when you weren't in Mexico with College Works or California at the DM training, day in and day out, I bet you had more fun. I bet you had more fun than all the other people, even though you did the dance thing, even though you did the work thing and probably one of the hardest jobs you can do, even though you got the great grades, because you're so good at prioritizing and putting things into those silos, whereas I find most of the people that are in their leisure years are wasting time and they don't have as much fun and they don't have the impactful experiences that change their life uh, forever. They are truly just getting by instead of uh, thriving, right? Thriving and thriving takes effort and thriving takes balance and thriving takes juggling these different things. I do want to come back to your values and we'll close on this. We're going to give a little credit to your mom and dad because the values start at home. Um, I think your mom and dad, and I'm going to give you a B minus for the answer on values because mom and dad instilled those values in you. And then you ran away at age 16, like every other person does and found some friends to reinforce and found some other jobs to reinforce and add to. But since I've talked to your mom on the phone and I know how impressed she is with you, I'm going to throw a little credit to her and your dad for instilling you with an unbelievable set of values that I'm going to throw credit back at you for running with them and changing many people's lives, including mine. Thank you for making time to be on the podcast today, Ali Becker. You are truly an impressive person. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure being here. And, uh, and yeah, it's always a podcast I like to listen to every week. So excited for this one. Right on. Remember that and subscribe. And by the way, um, Ali, it does not, 
get on social media. Allie does not have a job where she's looking to uh, recruit people. So if you want to find Allie Becker, you don't get to. We're not promoting anything for Allie today. She's just here to do everybody a favor. Thank you very much, Allie Becker. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.